When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father gave his commandment, gave this, this commandment before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servant, servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came to, and fell before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Jo but Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus be comforted. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good morning. Um, Kurt jokes about youth movement, but he also jokes that I'm the oldest person that he knows. Um, so, um, but first of all, thank you so much for being here. I know it's one service on a holiday weekend, so thank you for being here. Um, this is also just a really cool moment for me. I've grown up at Eastridge. Like, I know Miss Alice used to take care of me in the baby barn. Like, I really haven't been to another church other than this, and so this is just a very um, cool moment for me. But um, as we're getting into our message today, um, we just came back from middle school camp um, over at North Georgia Christian Camp, and so that was a great week, and the theme of the week was remade, being remade by God. And so um, the, the kind of image that we used for it was um, a vase, and so obviously a vase is created and molded and, you know, thrown out, and then it dries, and then um, it is a vessel of good use, um, but we focus more so on the Japanese art of kintsugi. I don't know how to spell it. You can look it up when you get home. But the way that they do it is um, they take a broken vase, a broken pot, um, and they remake it with gold in the cracks. I'm sure you've seen it. They use precious metals, gold, platinum, things like that to remake it to something more beautiful. And so um, one of the themes for the day was that God is the potter. He's the potter and we're the clay out of Isaiah 64. Um, and so one of the the main stories in the Bible where I see this um, most significantly is in the story of Joseph, the story of Joseph. And so in Genesis, there are 50 chapters. It's a very long book, as I'm sure we all know. But Gen Genesis 37 through 50 is all about the story of Joseph. So let's go there, 37, Genesis 37. And really the main point of um, this point that God is the potter, we are the clay, is Romans 8, verse 28, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and work according to his purpose, all things. And now, yes, the good things he works to the good of those who love him, but um, also the bad things, more so the bad things. He works to the good of those who love him and work according to his purpose. So Genesis 37, we read, um, Starting in verse 1, Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generation of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. 
his father's wives, and Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Who in here is 17 or younger? 17 or younger? Okay, not a lot. Um, if you are 17 or younger, just put yourself in this mindset that you are Joseph, 17 years old. And was it say that Jacob, Jacob is, um, he's renamed Israel. He uses two names there, Jacob and Israel. Um, when he wrestled with God, right? Remember that story where he touches him on the inside of his hip and he walks with a limp and he renames him Israel. So this is his son, Joseph, out of all his brothers, his 11 brothers, 12 of them. Joseph is the youngest. And it says that Jacob loved him more. Loved him more than all of his brothers. And so fathers, it's not a good idea to love um, one of your sons more than the other because this might happen to them. And also, don't give them a very colored tunic because that will add, to the, uh, add, to the, add salt to the wound. Um, but it said that his brothers saw that their father loved him more, so all his brothers, more than all his brothers, so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. And um, I'm just going to give some highlights to the rest of it because it's 13 chapters. It is a long story. Um, but Joseph has these dreams where um, basically the, the point of the dream is that Joseph will be risen above the rest, rest the rest of his brothers, things like that, um, and his mom and his dad. All of his family will bow down before him. And Joseph tells this to his family, which is also not a good idea because they hate him even more so. And so, um, one day, Joseph goes out to check on his brothers because they're out in a pasture shepherding. shepherding. Um, and a long way off, they scheme up to capture Joseph and kill him. But Reuben, one of his brothers, um, is a little more gracious, and he says, let's not kill him, let's just throw him into a pit. So Reuben doesn't really get off as, um, as easy as the others, but Reuben is at least somewhat better than his brothers. But while Reuben is away... The brothers throw him in a pit, and they're plotting up to, to kill him. But by chance, some Midianite traders go by. And so they resolve to sell him into slavery. And so let's take a quick account. Joseph is a favored son of Jacob, favored son of Israel. But bad things happen to him. His father loves him more, and his brothers hate him. So where they can't even speak kindly to him. And so they sell him into slavery. They throw him into a pit and sell him into slavery. And so they take him to Egypt to go and sell him, to make some money. And by chance, by chance, they sell him to a guy named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar is the captain of the royal guard to Pharaoh. And so um, he's just in a very good position. He is very important in the land of Egypt. And so Joseph is a slave to Potiphar. And the Bible says that the Lord is with Joseph. The Lord bless, blesses Joseph. And so everything that Joseph touches prospers. Potiphar's household prospers. All the things that he owns, the land that he owns, his crops, everything prospers by Joseph being there and by Joseph trusting God and loving God. And so Potiphar makes Joseph like over everything, second in command over his household. Everything that Potiphar owns is under Joseph's control and jurisdiction to the point where Potiphar really doesn't do much anymore. He just goes to work, works for the Pharaoh, and comes home, and Joseph has everything taken care of. But 
bad things still happen to Joseph. Um, now, Scripture says that Joseph was, um, uh, he was handsome in form and appearance. He was appealing in form and appearance. So, hey, somebody that I can relate to. That was a joke. Um, yeah. So he was handsome in form and appearance. And so that made Potiphar's wife look on him with desire. And so it got to one day that um, Potiphar's wife tries to force herself on Joseph um, to the point where uh, Joseph gets up and he runs. And so here's some advice for you. When sin comes, when sin comes, tries to get you, get up and run. Get up and run out of wherever you are. Flee from sin. And so Joseph does that, but she holds on to a piece of his tunic, right? Some of his clothes rips off. And so she has evidence and she calls together um, all the other servants and she accuses him of um, raping her, right? She has the evidence. She tells everybody this story. And so Potiphar comes home and hears about this and of course is angry. And so he sends Joseph to prison. So let's take a quick account. Joseph, a favored son, loved more so than all of his brothers, is thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, but God is with him. He blesses him to the where he is made um, over everything in the household, but bad things still happen to Joseph. Although he remains faithful, he is thrown into prison by some slander from Potiphar's wife. And we, I'm sure we all know the story. Joseph is in prison, but God still blesses him. The Lord is still with Joseph to the point where same thing happens at Potiphar's house. He is put over all the prisoners. The guards really don't do much. Joseph is over everything, and he prospers in that way. And um, the cupbearer and the baker to Pharaoh are thrown into prison. They, do, um, they commit some crime against Pharaoh, and he throws them into prison. And Joseph, being there, is able to interpret some dreams that they have. One of them... Um, the cupbearer, he takes Joseph's advice to do, he interprets the dream, he gives him a favorable interpretation so that when he goes and, um, back to Pharaoh to kind of um, give an account, he can follow what Joseph tells him so he can be restored to his status. So cupbearer does that, but the baker does not. And the only, um, only qualifier that Joseph puts on this interpretation is, hey, when you get out, remember me. Remember me in prison. And does the cupbearer remember Joseph? No, he does not. Two years go by. Two years go by. Joseph is in prison. Joseph is 30 years old. He's 17 when he's sold into slavery. He is 30 years old now. Pharaoh has a dream. He, and he has some crazy dreams. There's seven cows, right? Healthy cows, fat cows that are out by a river. And then seven famined cows, famished cows. They come up and eat the seven healthy cows, right? Crazy dream. It's a nightmare, really. He wakes up and he's freaked out, which he should be justifiably. And um, he, he goes back to sleep and he has the dream again. Same dream. And so that means that it's going to happen for sure and it's going to happen soon. So he calls all his people together to try and figure out what this dream is. They can't figure it out. All of his wise men, his sorcerers and things like that, they can't figure it out. But the cupbearer remembers. He says, there's a man in prison who can interpret dreams. So Joseph is called up. And the Pharaoh asked him to give her interpretation. But Joseph, being a man of God, says, it is not I who will give Pharaoh a favorable interpretation, but God. And so Joseph interprets the dream, which I'm sure we all know means that there's going to be seven years of prosperity, seven years of abundance, seven good years, meaning the good cows. And then the seven um, lean cows, the famished cows, means seven years of famine. 
And so knowing this and Pharaoh seeing Joseph's um, prosperity and the Lord is with Joseph, he puts Joseph in charge of everything. Joseph is prime minister, um, second in command. Pharaoh um, is the only person that doesn't bow down to Joseph. So let's take a quick account. A favored son, loved by his father, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. The Lord is with Joseph. He blesses him under Potiphar's household and still slander from Potiphar's wife. The Lord is still with Joseph, so he prospers in prison, but he is forgotten in prison. And now he's 30 years old. He is made in charge of everything over Egypt. And so the seven years of abundance come and Joseph it, it, they prosper again, like, like has been throughout the rest of this story. And to the point where Joseph no longer counts the amount of grain that he stores up. It is so, um, it's so numerous that he stops even counting it. He, they have that much grain in the abundance. But then two years into the famine, two years, Joseph's brothers come. Jacob sends them to Egypt because obviously the famine has hit the land for two years. And they're looking for food. And so they go to Egypt because they hear Egypt has plenty of food. There's an abundance in Egypt. So let's go and try and get some food for our family so that way we may continue to live. So they go to Egypt, and they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. And without going into all the details of how he reveals himself to his brothers, he does. He reveals himself to his brothers, and they bring Jacob and all of his family, the 12 tribes of Israel. It's about 70 people at this point, all of his brothers and their families. They all come to Egypt, and they are able to survive. And eventually, Jacob dies. Jacob dies. And so, um, Jacob, being um, their father, they, he's, he's kind of protecting um, his brothers from Joseph. And so, let's go to Genesis 50, um, the passage that Grady had just read. And this is where we'll pick up Genesis 50, starting in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we had done to him? I mean, that is a just thing, right? We think of that and they have every, Joseph has every right to do that. They have done terrible things to him. They sold him into slavery, their own brother. And so they're right in thinking this way. But what does it say? Verse 16, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servant of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. This is the fulfillment of his dream in the beginning, right? The one that got him sold into slavery, that all would bow down before him, his brothers and his family. This is the, the manifestation of that. The, the promise has been fulfilled. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is an amazing, this is one of my favorite stories in all of Genesis because it is so difficult. Joseph has such a difficult life, but he remains faithful to God because God is with him in all things. 
Let's look back to Genesis 45. In verse 6. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are still five years which which will, which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me here to, before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. That is Joseph speaking. God sent me here to Egypt to preserve a remnant of his people. Now, 22 years had passed. Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. He was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. So we can do that math. 13 years. Seven years of prosperity come. Two years into the famine, that is 22 years that Joseph has been completely confused about what God is doing in his life. But here, 22 years, I am 22 years old. That is my entire life that Joseph has waited to see what God has been doing, to try and figure it out. He has no clue what God has been doing in his life until now. And Joseph realizes it, right? For the famine has been in the land for these two years. God sent me here to, before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. 22 years, that is a long time for God to keep his servant in the dark about what he's doing in his life, isn't it? 22 years. And now I don't know where you are um, in your life. Let's use the 22 years as um, just an example. Maybe you're at year one. Something has started, something terrible has started, something difficult has started in your life, and you might have 22 years to go until you figure out what God is doing through you. You might be halfway, 11 years in, and you still have 11 years to go before you figure out what God has been doing in your life. You might be at the end, like Joseph. You might, tomorrow might be the day where you finally figure out what God has been doing in your suffering. But there's always a dawn. The dawn is always coming. There will be that time when you see what God is doing. Like I said, it might be in 22 years, 11 years, might be tomorrow. You might not know until heaven comes. But we must remain faithful. Trust in God's plan for our lives because we have faith in him. And he, he is blessing us. We might not see it. Joseph went through terrible things. Um, seemingly meaningless righteousness. But he remained true and he trusted God's plan. And so now, let's look forward. Let's look at a more significant story. Let's look to Jesus. So this is Acts 4. Acts chapter 4. Verse 27, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. The story of Joseph is the story of Jesus, is it not? A favored son where terrible things happen to him. He is slandered and beaten probably, and mistreated, and hated. 
but he remains true. He keeps the faith. He loves God and is favored by God to the purpose of preserving a group of people, us, that would be us, the church. That is what Jesus has done for us. But all of it was done by God. And what does it say in Genesis 50? That you meant evil against me, but God used it for good? No, God meant it for good. The evil things that happen to us from other people don't mean that they aren't purposeful. And so look, Herod's mockery, Pilate's cowing to the crowds, the soldiers crowning Jesus with a crown of thorns, them beating him, shouting crucify him, all of it was sinful, all of it murderous, all of it evil. All of it like Joseph's brothers, Pontius, uh, Potiphar's wife, um, uh, Potiphar's wife's slander, um, him being forgotten by those he'd blessed in prison, all the unjust years in prison, all of it was planned by God. The gospel of our salvation was being accomplished through the evil, sinful men when they killed the Son of God, but random evil saves no one. This was not random. 700 years before, Isaiah said, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put them to grief. This is not random evil against Jesus. This was planned. This is our salvation. The message of Genesis, the message of Joseph, the life of Jesus, the whole Bible shows that God reigns in sovereign love over his people. Satan and sinful men mean evil against us, but God means good for us through that. And it is difficult to trust. It is difficult. Joseph went through so much trials and tribulations, but he remained faithful, and we should too. For where else will we put our hope? Where else will we put our trust? What other foundation do we have? And so look, we're about to I'm about to pray and we'll have just a response time to just pray that we would continue to trust God to try and figure out what he's doing in our lives, to find the purpose of our life. And um, the prayer team will come up and Kurt will be over here and um, I'll, I'll come down as well if you'd just like to pray with somebody. Um, but we're gonna end with this last verse. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. Faithful is he who calls you and he will also bring it to pass. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that it shows us the things that you're doing in us that we don't quite understand. And thank you for the story of Joseph that we might see someone who we can um, relate to with all the things that we go through in our life, the terrible things that happen to us, the evil things that people do to us. But Father, I pray that we would know that you mean them for our good, for you work all things to the good of those who love you. And Father, we love you. And Father, we know you're working it to our good and it is difficult to understand that. It's difficult to trust in that. It's difficult to hope in that. But where else will we put our trust and our hope and our foundation in our lives? And Father, I know that we need so much help in trusting you and trying to figure out what you're doing through our suffering. But Father, we know that if, if we, we share in the sufferings of Christ for the glorification that we will receive through Christ. And so Father, I, I pray that we would remain faithful. We would remain trustworthy. We would continue to be blessed by you and obedient to you in whatever you're doing in our lives. So Father, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness towards us. Father, I pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ.
Amen.